0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. Grateful to have you here and hope all is well out in your world. I'm your host, Brian Andreyko, and on this week's episode, I welcome in Cody Burns, who is an award-winning speaker and a number one best-selling author. His life underwent a major shift in 2013 after a horrific traffic accident left his body burned and scarred. After years of countless surgeries and innumerable physical and emotional hurdles, Cody has since founded his own nonprofit, Burn Foundation, and is on a mission to spread his story of inspiration, hope, and recovery to everyone he meets. Really amazing story. We dive into it right away um, once we get into this episode, and it kind of takes us on a, a really inspiring story of how he used that as motivation to live out his mission and is still living out his mission Um, after that accident. So I think you guys will have a ton of takeaways from this episode. I'm excited to get into it. So without further ado, my chat today with Cody Burns. Let's get it started. Hey, Cody, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's, uh, it's always good to chat new folks and, you know, kind of see what's going on. Because, you know, one of the interesting things about this podcast and just the whole just get started, is everyone has such a unique journey and the way people get to where they are today. Again, there's no, there's no script. It just kind of happens. And some people, you know, really kind of take the ball and and run with it. And that's really, you know, when I was doing some research before um, and I'd love to dive into a few different areas, but I thought we could start. And, and it seems like tell me if this is a bad area to start, but I think it's literally the change in your life is obviously the accident that you got into. But I was I was wondering if we can start before we get into the accident and what's happened going forward. Can you just paint a little picture of what did the days, weeks, months prior to the accident? What was going on in your life? Where were you at mentally? How were things going uh, before we get to that point? Yeah, uh, so
1: I am originally from Indiana. I now live in Tampa, Florida. And growing up uh, in a small town, and I always had a wild imagination, and my family encouraged uh, such behavior, if you will, or, or thinking. Uh, I was very creative, and so uh, as a little boy, I fell in love with a unique talent, and that was juggling and entertaining, and I, that came about for my family to take me to a circus. And you know, every kid's uh, dream is, you know, oh, what do you hear about it? Oh, r- someday you're going to run away and join the circus, and I thought, all right, someday I am going to do that. Uh, but I didn't. But I I, uh, I did have a fascination with it. So I was probably around four years, four or five years old when family did, when they took me to the circus. And then um, I told my parents, I said, um, I want to learn how to juggle. So I taught myself. Then a few years later, I would go to a kids' camp. And at this kids' camp, they had you know activities and things to do during the day, but they had a special camp speaker at night. And this camp speaker also had a special skill to accompany his talk and. It was juggling. And so immediately as a little boy, I was like, all right, he's got my attention. He's doing the very thing that I enjoy. I'd already taught myself how to juggle. But then I seen that he was not up on stage to receive self-glorification, but really give us kids a message of hope and impact us. And I seen how all my friends were being impacted and myself included. And something on the inside of me said, someday I'm going to be doing that. And so fast forward to. Me getting out of high school, I went to a a ministry program in Rockford, Illinois, got some credentials, Uh, did further schooling out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and I became a children's pastor and at the same time traveling the country, speaking at conferences and events and doing the entertaining. And so I always had a vision to give hope to people, and I knew that someday it was going to be international, although I did not fully comprehend how that would come about. And so I always had that vision to serve. And that's where I was at. And uh, May 31st, 2013 is where my life took a sudden shift. And
0: I was 23 years old at that time. So were you like, on, you were on that path. That's what you were going to do kind of the, from a, a, as a, a, the children's pastor route, like you figured it out. That was it. That in your mind was like, it. Yeah, right. At that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I knew that children was just the beginning. Um, I, I had been doing stuff with adults and teenagers too, and, and speaking for a few corporate events and and doing schools and things like that. So naturally I knew that, you know, it's going to uh, transform as time goes along, but I wasn't fully aware on how. And so I was just, you know, doing what I could keep setting goals for myself and, um, yeah, I, I, but I had, I had big visions and the vision still remains large to this day. Okay. Um, I knew that it was going to be uh, many thousands of people that I
0: would one day have the opportunity to impact. Yeah. So let, let's go talking about obviously this accident and you can share more. It's obviously a story coming from you um, than me just sharing some stuff I saw online, but I, obviously we're, it seems like it's, we're pretty lucky to even be talking today um, based on what I was reading. Can you share a little bit about it and, and maybe the days, you know, afterwards, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. uh, So May 31st, 2013, um, it was a Friday afternoon. I actually had a meeting at a university uh, that morning and I was going to be doing a a special comedy juggling and talk at the school there. And meeting went great. And met with the directors on my way back to my church office and I found myself stopped at a red light on the highway. And up to this point, I remember everything, but, Then I'm I'm driving, everything goes black. And everything that I share is strictly from first responders, witnesses, police reports, et cetera, uh, because I truly don't remember um, what happens next. The only thing I recall is what happens later on. Uh, But what I'm told is that I was stopped at a red light. I was parked behind another van, and I was rear-ended by a refrigerator box truck that was going full highway speed and it showed no signs of stopping. And so on impact of the box truck hitting my Dodge Durango, uh, the van in front of me went to one side of the intersection and mine was taken into an embankment. And my Dodge engulfed in flames and the sheriff's department took hundreds of photos. And for the, for those that are, are listening or watching this, um, they can Google images and they're out there online to really kind of get the, the full impact of what happened. And so um, they was when the fire department came to the scene, they said it's a fatality. Just by the looks of it, they said no one's going to be able to, to survive that. So but they knew the the person in front of me in the van that she was OK. So they was helping her. So she was the which I thank God that she was OK. Um, and it's completely understandable as they would why they would do what they do. Um, but one of the first responders saw my hand move. There's images out there online where my hand is up on the steering wheel of this Dodge Durango, and um, it was that hand that changed everything for me, that little bit of movement, and the uh, fire department changed their plans. It took them a good hour to get me out of this thing. They had to get the jaws of life out. And uh, and they tell me that I was talking to them, which is amazing because I don't remember anything. It's like the the body is fascinating and how it works and Mm you go into survival mode. But uh, I told them who I was, where I worked, et cetera. And they was able to contact my church and my family from there. Uh, But they put me on a stretcher and they life flighted me to a hospital in Evansville, Indiana, which is the southern part of the state. And then they discovered that I have severe burn injuries. Go figure. Uh, so then they uh, directed me to the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana. They had one bed open at the time. And so very fortunate, but, but they took me there. It was, it, if, if we drive, it's about a three hour drive, but they life flighted me. So I get there, they put me into a coma and I was on full life support for three weeks. Hmm. And those three weeks were very uh, challenging for my loved ones and for uh, community. And I, I did come very close to losing my life during that time period. But I'll, I'll pause there if you want to Well, yeah, that, I mean,
0: obviously, it's good that you're here. That's crazy uh, just to go through that. Um, what were you, I mean, obviously, you said you were talking to them, coherent in their mind. You we don't remember anything. When was the first period you remember? Like what was the, how far after the accident?
1: Yeah, that would be uh, probably June 19th. Uh, And that was about three weeks later after the fact. And, you know, I in the in a coma, life support, the doctors told my parents that, you know, Cody can hear everything you tell them. And so I very, very little do I remember actually hearing. I I do recall some, uh, but more so coming out. You know, I was still in a daze because I was so highly medicated. They Mm -hmm. had me on so many different drugs So they had to wean me off and, um, you know, just kind of coming to, you're still just in a gaze. And I remember my family being there and specifically I talk about my mom and, you know, telling me, you know, Cody, you've, uh, you know, you've been hit by a box truck. Um, You have severe burn injuries, which I did at 40% of my body severely burned. I had broken vertebrae, torn Mm -hmm. ligaments. I had a blood infection, pneumonia, all kinds of things came about. Uh, but the most severe was the burns. My face had second-degree burns, and then I had third- and fourth-degree burns. Never knew there was such a thing as a fourth-degree burn. And it burns through all of your fat cells down to bone and muscle. And in mm. some cases, it requires amputation. So they wanted to amputate a few of my fingers, but my family was there. And they said, no, do whatever you can to save his fingers. He juggles. And, of course, you could imagine the surgeon's face. They're probably like, you're kidding me, the guy juggles? What is this? Uh, but they were able to save them, and, but they don't have the mobility that they used to, but I make the most of what I can do. Mm. Um, but my mom telling me all these things, and it was still just in shock. And what she said, the, the, the words, uh, it still sticks with me to this day. She said, you know, your recovery is not going to be an easy journey, but no matter what, don't lose sight of your vision. And I just think about how in life, oftentimes, we all need those individuals to encourage us to keep the vision for ourselves and remember why. Why we are here on this earth? Why was I born? And uh, that was truly one of those moment, moments for me. Um, and my recovery it didn't come easy. It, it uh, had many surgeries. Had to relearn to walk. Had to relearn to use my hands, all the basics. And I would say almost two years after the fact of nonstop occupational and physical therapy to get to where I am
0: today. So it's it's been a long roller coaster ride, but I'm here. <laughs> what, would you say? I mean, obviously those are pretty. Uh, Pretty wise words, a lot of wisdom there, um, and the kind of don't lose sight of your of your vision. Is that what kept you? Because I got to imagine two years. I mean, we think. I mean, I look at stuff that I've tried and quit, and all this. You know, like two that for two years, and and basically you have to commit to that if you want to get recovered. How was your mental state? How did you get through that day after day? Because it's easy to talk in hindsight going back, right? It's you were in that for two straight years, like. I can imagine, or I can't imagine the struggle, but I can only assume what the struggle might've been. Can you share a little bit from a mindset standpoint?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I mean, my whole world was rocked and you know, naturally you have those moments of like, well, hold up here. This was not part of the plan. This is not what I had envisioned for myself. And you try to do everything right. And I'm not perfect by any means, uh, but you know, I was on that path, pursuing this vision for myself. And then all of a sudden my life takes a, sh- a sudden shift and I think everybody can relate to some something like that in their life, whether it be a stoplight uh, or a stoplight in other ways. But um, I wondered why, you know, why did this happen to me and frustrated? You know, one moment I'm thankful that, that I'm alive. The next moment I'm thinking to myself, well, God, why did you just take me? You know, you're 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 back in your uh, in in your emotions. But you know, I had a good support system that was established prior to all this. I had a lot of mentors, leaders, pastors, people that were encouraging me. And so they wouldn't allow me to stay in those moments of defeat. But I did have my my moments. I fought depression. Uh, after I got out of the uh, rehab, I went through a big weight gain. I gained a lot of weight. And, you know, and I've still been on that journey. Said, today, since 2016, I've lost a about 130 pounds. Oh, wow. And so I'm still on that journey to, you know, reach my goal, but I had gotten really, really big. Um, and, and so you have those emotions, cause you feel very stuck, you know, the world is moving on, but you feel stuck in your circumstance. Um, so, you know, and, but at the same time, I'm making an impact, I'm encouraging people, and that in itself is very therapeutic. But, you know, it's just something that we all have areas to work on. But that support system was key then and it's still uh, key now
0: and me reaching my final goal.
1: Yeah.
0: And so yeah. well, what what clicked then, because whether it was coming out of the recovery or with the weight gain and having to go back the other direction, like what clicked of like, wait a minute, I'm going down a a slippery slope here, not the right path. I need to change course. Yeah.
1: And it came to understand, you know, just that moment of realization that no matter what, I cannot change what happened to me. The only thing I can change is what might happen tomorrow. But it's all a matter of what I do today. That's what makes the difference. And, you know, very easily I could have stepped into that mindset of of that victim mentality. And by my mother telling me, you know, Cody, don't lose sight of your vision. She knew and understood that I had that I had every right to play the victim card. But she believed that there was something greater on the other side for her son. And that's what motivates me is I believe there's something greater on the other side for every human being that encounters a tragedy in their life or a moment where they experience a defeat or a difficult circumstances. And that that pulls me forward. Uh, but I also, you know, like I said, like I shared, you know, working with children before all this happened. And I had gotten a garbage bag. Full of get well cards from a bunch of kids that I'd spoken to at a kid's camp the year prior. Um, get well, Cody. And, you know, the, the, the news grabbed a hold of my story. It spread rapid. Facebook, thousands of people following, uh, you know, everything that I'm doing. So uh, understanding those times, it's like, well, hold up here. I'm, I'm spent, I am I'm spent all that time prior encouraging these kids, wanting to give them a message of hope. And here I am now. My life is taken a hit. What kind of an example am I going to teach to these kids? Because, you know, we all know it's easy to talk something when life goes great. But when rubber hits the road, that's really where the message uh, comes into play. And so little eyes watching me and just going back to the core of who I am and what I want the most in life, that pushed me forward. And um, whenever I go and I speak at places, I always tell them four steps. And it, and it can be applied to your personal and your business life. And it's EPIC, and it's based on an acronym. So the EPIC uh, process or EPIC plan. And the E stands for embrace challenges. Understand that challenges will always present themselves at one level or another. It's just the reality of it. And then we have the P, which is provide perspective. Reframe the situation and how can I look at this in such a way where I'm finding the blessing in the midst of my pain? What are the lessons I can learn through this challenge? And then the I is implement change. Implement those changes into our life, uh, whatever it may be. And then we have the C, which is celebrate. Celebrate your story, celebrate the fact that you're here, that you're alive, that you've overcome. And then out of that, serve others. Because I think if we are um, on that wavelength of being a leader, uh, wanting to make a positive impact we are looking at the lives of others. We're wanting to serve others truly. And so I look at my life as, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. Obviously, there is self-care and all that has to come into play. But at the same time, I'm here to serve others and make a big impact. My why. Why was I born? Why am I here on this earth? And I believe it to be giving that message of hope
0: for such a time as this. Mm. How? Uh, I want to get into that a little bit more. How, uh, how much fear did you have? coming back
1: yeah and I think I remember the um, you know getting behind the driver uh, driver's seat again you know I always talk about that whenever I go and talk at places and you know it would I think it'd be more challenging if I remembered the incident however I know what happened because I did see my vehicle in a junkyard later on and just understanding that I was once inside this thing while I was on fire the last time I sat behind a driver's seat this is when my life was drastically changed. And so naturally that fear, you know, it, it wants to arise up. But, you know, it, it's normal for us to experience fear. But at the same time, if we allow fear to control us, we'll never be of any good, not only to ourselves, but to others around us. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are limited by fear. And, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to them, but at the same time, If you want to live, if you want to function and and succeed in life, then you have to take risk. And me getting behind that, uh, drivers, getting in the driver's seat again, that was a risk. But I knew that in order for me to move on and do all I was going to do, it was something that needed to be done. And so, um, you know, press on, don't allow fear to control you.
0: Well, and I wanted to, if I dive deeper on that, because the I, the Im, you know, implement seems like the toughest thing, at least for me, that was is like, I, I can have the ideas, I could feel like, hey, I'm moving forward. And then, but actually overcoming the fear, getting out of my own way, not letting you know what other people's thoughts are and actually starting something and putting it out there in the world. Is there any practices you found that have been helpful or things that you've uncovered to, for folks that are teetering on the edge of getting started? but yet haven't taken the leap yet. Yeah, I think just you have to really
1: ask yourself, well, how bad do you want it? And and um, understand too that there are times when you need to seek out other people to guide and help you. Don't be afraid to reach out and have the people to encourage you, move you forward. I have a lot of mentors and leaders that are, I'd speak with on a weekly basis. They push me to do things. And yet, then again, I understand that Comfort zones. We, as humans, we, we enjoy them. We enjoy being comfortable. Um, we don't like our, our world being shaken by any means. Um, but then also just moving forward and stepping out of the boat and uh, it's, it's uncomfortable, but if you want to do anything of value in this life or move forward, succeed in your personal life in your business professional, what have you, you have to take risk. It's all part of it. Uh, and, um, you know, we get one life. And if you want to live life where you just play it safe, by all means, that's your right. But um if you really want to make the impact and succeed and
0: achieve your goals, you have to understand that it just comes with the territory. Yeah. And and you had mentioned something, if I if I caught correctly, doing some research around the hand dealt versus the, the hand wanted. It's kind of can you share a little bit more? Cause I thought that that perspective on it could ultimately help being more of a positive, optimistic approach versus the, that negative, you know, that, you know, pity, you know, pity me type approach.
1: Yeah. One, one of my mentors, he had passed back in 2019, Dr. Sean Stevenson, great uh, motivational speaker and author. And he had given me that quote And and Caitlin Walsh, I believe is the one who had said it. And, uh, you know, it says the key to success is playing the hand you were dealt like it was the hand that you wanted. And I look at what happened to me in just that same way is like, well I always want to give hope to people. How am I going to allow this to enhance my ultimate vision? And it was really just a matter of me just stepping out and letting it happen naturally, going with the flow because it people were being inspired. Here I am and, and just trying to recover and people are already you know reaching out and you know being motivated and encouraged. So naturally it just took off from there. And now, um, because that vision before it truly was, you know, give hope. Now I have been able to do it on a whole other level. I'm speaking to more corporate events, colleges, uh, and this is international, mind you. I mean, I, i it's businesses, uh, entrepreneurs, leaders, it's people from all over the world and television, uh, interview. I mean, I, I do so many different things, writing a book, um, Speaking in prisons, and I mean the list goes on. It's been quite remarkable. Hundreds of thousands of people have been able to hear this story and the message of hope. So it's elevated it. And so another thing that you know Sean had had shared is a powerful thing. He's like you know, look at it as you know, it doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And I look at it as this has happened for me, truthfully. It's it's bettered me. It's allowed me to mature in ways that I wouldn't have if I hadn't gone through this experience. It's allowed me to make a greater impact and connect with people on a whole nother level. One of the the talks, the main things I talk about is scars. I, I take the analogy of, you know, I have physical scars, but then many people in today's world, they have the emotional. I'm able to really connect with people
0: on a deep level because of this story. And it's just, it's just, it's been amazing, truthfully, truly. Yeah. Well, and to kind of put a bow around that, you know, I actually just finished reading, I'm not sure if you've read Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's a, you know, but you know, I've been big into stoicism um, over the last handful of years and it's just kind of similar to your point. It's the fact of how do you, how how do you look at whatever the obstacle tragedy, whatever it is, how do you look at it? And it's generally the perspective of positivity, optimism, it helps clear, you know, in, in terms of a clear path going forward, at least knowing that, hey, I can overcome this versus the other way. It's always like, why is it always me that's getting in a bad spot? And that negativity drowns you, you know, into a whole nother path. So I think having that um, positive mindset to what you're, you know, that, that was some great uh, insight there to be able to push us forward. because if we have the mindset that we can do it, most of the time we can overcome it and, and go forward, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. How you look at the situation will truly define your outcome, and um, you know how can like going back to that reframing. How am I going to reframe this uh, difficult circumstance to work out for my good? Mm. And um, it, it's quite remarkable.
0: Yeah. How did you decide to? Because you're doing a lot of things. You're you're coaching. You're podcasting. You're speaking. How did you decide one to go down that path? And then two, and and you can pick either. We'll kind of do dealer's choice here, where you want to start. But like starting to put some of that content out. When did some of the ideation of you know writing or speaking start to come into play?
1: Yeah. So I had gotten many uh, people shortly after all this happened, uh, wanting me to come and speak at their events. And you know, mind you, before all this, I had already even though I was working at a church consistently, I was given the opportunity and the privilege to travel and do a bunch of different things. So I was already speaking and doing different, you know, I, I was busy. I was a busy guy. And so naturally it just kind of transformed into the speaking. Cause I knew that the vision was I'm going to be speaking. I'm, I'm speaking to large groups, et cetera. And so I always knew that was where it was going to be taking place. But you know, as far as um, you know, writing the book and doing all these other things. Well, mentors, people—they're encouraging me, and I never thought I would write a book. Yeah. And I, you know, there they say, "Well, Cody, you need to write a book." And you know, writing a book—it's you know—it's a lot of work and dedication to try to get the darn thing written. Number one, because yeah. you know, want to procrastinate. So people just to push me forward and setting that date. All right, by such and such date, I'm having this
0: book written. And did you know, have a writing process that you went through to eliminate the procrastination as much uh, as possible? Or I did. So I so
1: I worked with um, I have a few different coaches that that guide me and my and my business and so forth. And so we knew that, or we set a final deadline date. But I got to have this much done before this. And so I, had, as far as reaching out to different editors, I had multiple editors and people reviewing it and you know you you kind of sucks when you have so many different words written and then you send it off to an editor and they they're taking 30,000 words away yeah. and you're like well hold up here um, but you just have to trust the process and you know I'm happy it's it's not a, it's not a big book but it has gotten great reviews it became a bestseller on Amazon people are loving it and um, you know it's it's very conversational and they're hearing the story but they're also you know I I, read, I wrote it in such a way where People are being, uh, you know, helped in the midst of it. It's not truly, it's not really about me. It's about the reader. Mm. And I, I give tips and uh, insights through my story to help encourage them in their life. And so, but it, it was a process. I'd say it took me about a year and a half to get it all just right, uh, to release it. Uh, and so it was a, a lot of work, but, you know, that was new territory for me. It was, a, it was stepping out of my comfort zone to be vulnerable to write certain things in the book. And, you know, I started speaking in churches and schools and and doing some corporate things, maybe a couple years. Well, I take that back. I did a surprise appearance at my home church three three, uh, months later after I had gotten out of a coma. And I was in a neck and back brace. And, you know, I still wasn't, I was nowhere near recovered. But Mm -hmm. when the opportunity was there and my schedule allowed for it, I did it. I took advantage of it and it helped. You know, I find I have, I have the greatest job in the world because every time I get to share my story and encourage others, I myself am being encouraged. So it's uh and then people, like I said, people pushing forward. I knew that I wanted to get into the corporate world, college world. You know, I did churches and all those things for many years and I still do those on occasion, but I really want to expand and broaden my reach. And so I knew in order to do that, I need to find those that are already in that arena Mm-hmm. And um, they've been able to hook me up with a lot of amazing people uh, behind the scenes and, and you know belonging to mastermind groups and different types of events and you know you you discover all that a speaker could do, podcast, uh, do the life coaching and different things. and I tell you man, it, it's been uh,
0: fascinating to see yeah. the amount of lives it's been able to encourage and help. Well, and you mentioned a couple of times, obviously the support system's massive, right? Having uh, positive support systems. Um, the, you've also mentioned a couple of times around coaching, mastermind groups. Can you share a little, we, we haven't dove into that a ton on the podcast, but I think it's actually something that, you know, I'm talking a lot more about, or I'm, I'm hearing from other folks of how important it is to, you can't do everything yourself you have to leverage mentors, you have to be involved in groups, how much do you invest from a, you don't have to go into a dollar standpoint, but like a, a time standpoint into mentorship sessions, um, being a part of mastermind coaching, you know, versus obviously just trying to figure out on yourself, like how valuable has that been for you?
1: Yeah, it, I cannot, be, I mean, it has been one of the greatest benefits to me and to my business to make it to where it is today. Um, the the time and the knowledge you know and and, and it does cost mastermind groups they cost uh, but the the return that you receive from attending or, or being part of such groups is it far out it far outweighs the cost because you're going to uh, make your money and much more as long as you're you know applying it correctly so I communicate with people on a weekly basis I have coaches that help me in many different areas of my life. Um and it just it, it's it's something that I, I love doing and attending live events and now although it's all virtual, but still being in that atmosphere with other like-minded people. And you know, we we are a byproduct of those we surround ourselves with. Uh Benjamin Hardy has a great book, you know, Willpower Doesn't Work. And um and it's got so much truth to it. And so if you want to breed good results in your life whether it be in your physical health, your mental health, or your business, then you need to immerse yourself in such environments because you're going to find that it rubs off on you and you have no other choice but to produce such good things. And so I am consistently um, communicating with those people on Zoom calls, phone calls, text messaging, and um, it, it, it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, why did you decide? Obviously, we're on a podcast, so I'll ask. Why did you decide to get into podcasting?
1: Yeah, uh, that was through uh, Sean, uh, Doctor Sean Stevenson. He um, right, he he wanted me to create my own show, and he he really needed to be based around scars, the topic of scars, and so I I started doing that. But then naturally, because of the um, the demand that podcast or what all, like it's everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's a podcast show for everything. And it's a wonderful way to network with other like-minded leaders and to give a message of hope. And it's, it's a wonderful platform. I, I love it. People are being encouraged. I do podcasts on a weekly basis. You know, I have my own show, but I am more so on other people's shows. And it's such a great um, opportunity to really just extend that message all the more and giving really giving to others. And I, I love it. It's, it's yeah. wonderful.
0: What, what's the premise of your show? Just to look for everyone listening. If they want to go check it out, what's it interview style. Is it, what, what do y'all talk about? What's kind of the, yeah, it's uh, it's
1: based, we, we, uh, we call it scar release. Um, initially was going to call it show me your scars. Um, but you know, somebody already had a similar name. So you kind of just go with the flow, but it's uh, different people that have gone through challenging circumstances in their life. And we sit down, it's and it's kind of very conversational. Um, it could be interview, but more so conversational. We just allow it to take off where it where it does. And you know, people, um, Sean was the first person I interviewed, and two weeks later he would pass. Oh, wow. Um, but uh Sean was born um in a he was three foot tall. He had a fragile bone disorder, lived his whole life in a wheelchair, and but he was able to accomplish a lot. I mean, impact millions of people. So there are stories like that that we have stories from, um, you know, girls that were uh, molested and raped, abused and deal with those kind of scars and how they've overcome. And now they're happily married. They have children and they've been able to do all these different things. And so it's many different stories, many different perspectives. But through it all, they're not allowing their past to define their future and all that they're doing today. And it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I love getting to do it and to hear the impact from others on how these stories are helping. It
0: makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, that's that's great to put that platform out there um, or that st- those stories, because again, we I think we all go through various things at various stages of life. It's just a matter of not thinking we're the only ones that go through it. You know, everyone yeah. goes through something. It's a matter of how do you come out on the other end, um, which is awesome. What uh, We're talking a lot about the positive stuff, which is, I always, I'm a very positive and optimistic person, but what's been the biggest struggle? Let's say the last three, four years as you're kind of ramping up, you know, building the speaking business, writing, all this stuff. What's been the biggest struggle for you?
1: Yeah, I think for any business, yeah, in, in order for it to succeed, it's the, you know, the marketing and discovering how, all right, what needs to change here and there and, uh, you know, being consistent is is really key, and I'm I still am getting better at that. Um, but I think the rebranding, you know, going from how do you take this uh, once children's entertainer that juggled and did all these things and rebrand in such a way to where all right, it's going to. Be appealing to the college and corporate market. So it's been a lot of that. And it's been a fun journey though. I mean, people, they get it. Once they see it, they understand and they hear the people's response. It makes all the difference. But I would say marketing and uh, just taking those risks really, because I mean, I've taken a lot of risk. I've written a lot of big checks and it makes you nervous when you write it, but then you see the outcome. You're like, okay, glad I did that. Yeah. Um, so but I think through it all, you know, still just bettering myself in the process, too.
0: Right. Do you uh, do you then outsource a lot of that from like whether it's email marketing or those type of things? Or do you try to get in the weeds and do a lot of it yourself? How, how, how much do you like to get involved on in that? Uh, yeah. So I have, you know, just within last
1: year, I had started hiring. Well, I have coaches and people that I, I I pay on a monthly basis. Uh, but then as far as, you know, hiring staff to help me with my social media. So I have a social media group. I have a a group, um, a virtual assistant that works for me and helping me book events and get meetings scheduled with event planners internationally. So you, you, you take those types of chances. Cause I, I cannot do it all on my own. I mean, there's no way. Um, so, I have a whole team that backs me and uh, they depend on me to do my part. And, but it, it kind of motivates me and pushes me all the more to step up to the plate and to really deliver.
0: Yeah. Well, what's next for you? What are, what are you excited about the next six months year? What's on, what's on your plate you can share?
1: Yeah, I am. uh, Well, understanding, you know, we're, we're still in this season of, you know, COVID is still, you know, kind of up in the air for a lot of people, but I think, like I have my first, um, you know, live in-person event and it's in March. Most of what I do now, it's all virtual, but um, you know, it's going to be in Ohio. I'm speaking at a university there. Looking forward to that, looking forward just to getting back in front of people, uh, live groups. I miss that. And um, you know, some larger events, you know, someday I hope to host my own big event. I'd love to run out a theater the vision is in the future, um, arenas. And, uh, I, 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 have no doubt in my mind that it will reach that level someday. So continuing to make an impact and utilize the technology that we have today and, uh, just take it day by day, you know, continue to set new goals for myself. They'll, they'll continue to come about, but I would say right now, just keep moving forward, trying to, you know, make a different difference by doing podcast shows, uh, connecting with event planners and scheduling events and um yeah making in social media too i love social media it's a great platform
0: to encourage people so yeah. utilizing those things awesome well what uh i want you to go back to the young juggler all right <laughs> so you got to go back to the young juggler and i want you to share a piece of advice with that that person um you have you have a post it note so very small concise to help them start on their journey what are you going to share with them that would be the most impactful so if I'm if I'm speaking to a young you're, juggler, you're then... you're going back to yourself as a young juggler. You can go back in oh. time. Yeah. What are you sharing to them? You have one piece of advice mm. that'd be helpful. Anything that you think would be the most impactful that you've learned throughout this journey? Mm.
1: What I would share to my young self. Yeah. I love that. It's a great question. And you know, I think it would go back to, you know. Juggling is, you know, we hear we hear so often, you know, juggling life and many different things. Um, you are going to be juggling a lot, but no matter how many times you drop the ball, keep picking it up and moving forward. And um, you know, as simple as that is, it really goes a long way. And I, I think about in life, uh, there is so many people they drop the ball in their own life, and they think, all right, that's it all hope is lost in that moment i've screwed up no you haven't screwed up just keep pick up the ball keep moving forward and um, know within time
0: it'll be worth it yeah and it kind of goes back to what your mom said yeah lose sight of the vision yeah right it sounds it sounds simple but
1: it's just the reality of it and um yeah just
0: don't give up yeah cody this has been awesome man um I've certainly enjoyed connecting with you, um, fun getting to know you, and obviously you've been through a lot, so it's great to see this new trajectory you're on and, and obviously putting a lot of positivity in the world. It's, it's certainly needed uh, as we go into this new decade, so that's certainly uh, appreciative. So awesome to connect with you, man. Thanks so much for being on and sharing your story. Oh, it's my pleasure, and likewise, so glad to be here, man, and I appreciate all that you're doing and all that you're providing to the world. It's an honor. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day. You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, and I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. i happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, com or connect with me. I'm at Brian on Draco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even clubhouse, that new app that's out there. Uh, you name it. So, uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.